All right. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Empire. I'm Pete Barenberg. I'm here with your co-host and CEO of Purewell, Nick DeFrancesco. Nick, how's it going today? Good, good. How you doing? Pete? I'm doing pretty well. We got a special guest today, right, in the house? Tell me who we got. We have NHL All-Star. We're talking about ex-player Riley Cote. Riley, how you doing today, sir? Doing well, thanks. Appreciate you having me. Ex Excellent. We appreciate you, that's for sure. I don't know if Riley knows this, but I'm from Philadelphia. So I did play hockey. I played hockey since I was six. Played ice oh, hockey. Yeah, yeah. I played for – that was like really my main sport. I ended up going to school for football eventually, but hockey was – you know, being Italian, playing in, in the basement, rolling hockey, playing ice hockey. Yeah. I mean, that was our sport. So, um, right. yeah. So, but I know you played some big time hockey in Canada, of course, in Philadelphia. What was it like adjusting from Canada, coming to Philadelphia, seeing the passionate fans? How did, how did it make you feel? Well, you know what? When I moved to, uh, out of Canada and, and, and began playing in the U.S., I, I started off in in Memphis, Tennessee, believe it or not. So I had a year there and then um, spent some time in Dayton, Ohio, and then and, and then um, in the East Coast Hockey League. And then I found my way into Philly, which was um, almost like a, a, a perfect marriage for me and, and the way I played the game and just, you know, the, the city of Philadelphia and the way they're wired. So um, oh, yeah. the transition in Philly was actually pretty smooth. My first year in Philly, it was uh, the 2004-2005 lockout year and we landed up winning a championship with the philadelphia phantoms which was the flyers minor league time with the nhl yeah of course. Playing. so that was my first uh my first season in philly uh an amazing season as a you know as a team as well as uh, as an ind individual um so i couldn't ask for a better start to my time in philly and uh, yeah it was, it was it was just the perfect fit well one of the things that we were you know talking about obviously we're on empire so hemp cannabis everything that we that we talk about what i thought was interesting is something that you said that how the nhl tests for cannabis right but nothing really happens if you test positive they don't really care as much so what have you learned in the fact of what the nhl or how they view it on how players are using it for for relief and things like that or were you shocked that they didn't really care about that you know i, I retired in 2010 so i've been on the game for 12 years but going back to when i was still playing i got tested three four times a year and i definitely would have tested positive every time there's no there's no question um <laughs> you know, back then, you know it's, it seems like a long time ago 12 years um you know it's it's not really um but it is in, 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 you know, in cannabis time where, you know, back then really the only available products was traditional flour and, and you might've found an edible or two, you know, you know, fast forward to, you know, the current day and, and the amount of different cannabis based products and delivery systems and ratios and all, you know, perfectly dosed products. Like it's a, it's, it's amazing for an athlete, right? Not, not to mention just the, the common man, right? It's just like, it's, it's very predictable. Right some of these products um so you know that being said the drug testing is still a part of hockey in the nhl um however to your point um they turn a blind eye they've turned a blind eye for for however long um around cannabis um because they i think they know deep down that cannabis isn't an issue i think it's it's political why they do test in the first place you know you still have a, that international border where canada has a full legal medical cannabis program as well as adult use program and then you know here in the u.s it's still a schedule one drug so i think there's politics right. i think it just re removes liability by 
you're not telling the players to use cannabis, you know, if if you don't test. But I, I would like to see it go that way, where you're not testing because you're sending the wrong message. You're not, you know. But you know, as we know, you know, it's never really been about public health. You know, when it comes to right. cannabis production, it's always been about you know pushing the agenda of pharmaceuticals and, and whatever else along the way. So um, you know, we're coming to a point here now where I'm. I would like to think in the next year or two. Uh, the federal government is going to roll out some sort of medical program of, so, of sort, and you know maybe that is the the catalyst to the NHL removing the the, the drug test, and you know whatever, whatever that is, um, however that looks, it, it's inevitable that's going to come. But you know, again, it's it, it just it's just it's still sending the wrong message when you talk about. A culture of sport that's ingrained in alcohol, right? I mean, hockey specifically. You know, there's a, a, a large, a large culture around alcohol in in, in hockey, and I, I'd like to see that shift to more cannabis, which it is. You know, and going back to your your, your question, and and you know, going from back in the day, a lot of alcohol and you know, opioids to more mindful athletes using cannabis different varieties of cannabis you said 50 percent guys smoking i would like to think it's higher than that that's just you know smoking cannabis let alone using tinctures capsules transdermal patches creams and then different ratios some guys aren't thc guys but a lot of guys are and you know and the guys that aren't you know there's a there's a place for cbd products obviously so the the, the level of consciousness around these products has shifted tremendously we've got a lot of work to do just curious. I mean, obviously in Canada and, and being here in the United States, I'm sure you weren't uh, new to cannabis just when it came to the United States, but who turned you on to it? Or what, when did you say, look, I, I don't want to take these opiates. I don't want to do this. Or I'm, I'm just, my body's getting beat up and this is what I'm going to turn to. Is somebody told you about that? Is this something that you found on your own? Um, and what do you personally used or, or used when you were, when you were playing? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm thankful. I had a relationship with cannabis since I was 15 years old. I mean, Canada's got a huge, <laughs> right. okay. you know, like, like, like most parts of the world do have pockets of, you know, cannabis culture. Um, so, you know, I had been introduced to it at a young age. However, I was never introduced to it in a, in a mindful manner. It was kind of like figure it out yourself. All drugs are scheduled and drugs, all drugs are the same. So, you know, you grow up in this drug culture of like, Oh, you're trying to, discern the difference between cannabis and, and mushrooms and cannabis and alcohol and cannabis and coke and all these other drugs that have come along the way you know in, in that in that drug culture so just like you probably you guys and everyone else growing up like you know, there's no manual you know this, the, my parents certainly weren't endorsing it the church certainly wasn't the establishment certainly wasn't so it's kind of figuring this thing out on your own you know so i had used cannabis throughout my junior hockey career my whole pro hockey career, but I also used, you know, other drugs and, and, and alcohol heavily and, you know, and misused all that. So I never really had the full understanding of, you know, cannabis and, and how it's really supposed to make you feel. You know, it, it did help me with anxiety, it did help me with pain management, you know, and those were things that obviously aware of enough to continue using for them but you know i never never connected the dots at the time around holy shit like this is like a really medicinal plant and this is very therapeutic and right. not just medically but like spiritually right there's like this emotional and spiritual component that I, I i later identified but it wasn't until i retired 
for that last year leading up to retirement in 2010, 28 years old. I had another year on my contract. I was just banged up physically. I had abused alcohol, I had abused uh, opioids and sleeping pills, along with still using cannabis. I, I think the cannabis really helped save my life or save my brain in the sense that like I was able to actually have the ability to figure that out because a lot of guys get swallowed up in that darkness and, and, and never come out of it. So um, 2010, I had two surgeries at the end of the year, one on my finger and then one on my uh, nose. There should probably could use another one, <laughs> but I, I, I made, made the decision to not use cannabis or not to not use um, the prescription drugs that I was that was prescribed and just use cannabis and prove to myself that I could use just cannabis to, to, to manage the pain and, and, and the anxiety of this is post-surgery now we're talking, which led me down this path of like, holy, like, you know, like there's this, this world of, you know, holism, herbalism, um, you know, whatever, which words you want to call it. Um, that's, that's not the traditional model protocols of pain management and sleep management and essentially recovery and regeneration so i read a couple books hemp for health really kind of like jump-started me on this world of you know cannabis as an industrial resource not just medicine um you know the, the food the fiber you know just industrial applications of the plant and then kind of broke down the different cannabinoids and their anti-inflammatory properties and just healing therapeutic properties. So I kind of had this aha moment, went from years of experience, not really understanding the science, to all of a sudden making sense of my experiences with the science, and, you know, and, and a breakdown of this plant and kind of making sense of it all and saying, wow, shit, like we've been fundamentally misled here and I feel like I need to speak for the trees and, you know, and start kind of pounding the pavement and banging the drum a little bit and, and talking about cannabis and it's, you know, in its entirety, not just like the medicinal uh, components, which I'm a huge advocate for, obviously, but, um, um, but like, you know, cannabis is an industrial resource as well. It's pretty wild and what it can do. And the fact that they hold it back from everybody as information. And like you said, you got to kind of find out on your own. You don't really have a manual. I mean, I had a manual, but you know, he was selling me on the corner and that was pretty much the direction he gave you in, you know, you know, it, it really needs to be, you know, constantly hammered into these people on the, the benefits of the entire plant, man. And, and, and not, you know, like you said, keeping people going towards a direction of what, you know, this guy said, just pop this pill or take this, you know, drink and that'll fix you. You kind of need a little bit of guide. So with people like you, people like us and, and trying to, you know, educate, but really explain that, look, there's a lot more to this plant than, you know, sitting on a couch. I, I don't know if you're talking to anybody now in the league. How do you feel about something like more education for the players? Like you said, I didn't really know. I'm kind of self-taught. We're all saying the same thing. I mean, do you think they would be open? I know they're they're turning a blind eye to cannabis, let's say, you know, uh, of testing positive. But how about actually doing some education? Do you think they'd be open to something like that? Education on CBD, topical, something, you know, again, not going all the way to, to marijuana, but it's something they're maybe- They're dipping their toe in. Right. You know what? Uh, it's interesting. They, they, it's- it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors with the NHL and um, even, even like Health Canada around, you know, it, it's, 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 it's positioned around cannabis. It's almost like you have this legal program, but they don't really want to promote it in a real mindful and responsible manner, um, which, which trickles down into, you know, the NHL's uh, position on it um, and most pro sports. So even if they believed in it, there, there's, there's this like political 
you know, um, barrier that's it's it's preventing them from like doing the right thing, right? I mean, I, I think yes, I would I would love to see that, and we've tried to do that through the NHL uh, Alumni Association as well as the Players Association. Again, there's a lot of friction because it's like. You know, like you said, like to, to your point is like we, we could start at CBD, right? If we don't even want to talk about anything with THC just to like as a starting point, it just it, it, it just interferes with whatever political agenda there is. So, you know, whether it's sponsorship through pharma it's take money or from the pocket. Through, through alcohol, uh, I'm not exactly sure where the where, where, where it stops um, because we, we even we even tried to do this with. Uh, you know, the league I played in in junior in the Canadian Hockey League is like, okay, well, once once Canada rolled out its 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 legal cannabis program, like adult use, like you guys are already using cannabis. And all of a sudden now it's legal. You know what I mean? You, you might want to help your players maybe just try and like guide them in a more responsible and, and more mindful manner, right? I mean, to me, my, my, the education that I do in this space is that everyone can figure out how to smoke weed, right? I mean, that's like, that's easy. Right. But, you know, I, I think where it needs to go is like, you know, precise dosing for, you know, a certain goals and objectives, right? I mean, there's this element of healing, obviously, with cannabis, right? That's, I think that's what guys ultimately lean on it for, regeneration, recovery, right? It helps them sleep, helps them with anxiety. But again, like no manual, no no guidance. It's just like okay, well, like everyone just assumes that all cannabis use is the same, right? Like hundred milligram edible is the same as a, a five milligram edible, you know, or you know, packing a, a bowl, a one gram bowl is the same as a, as a one hitter. And I think this is like where like the, the medicines in the dose type of education, um, and this is where it needs to go with the youth. Um, adults uh, and everyone in between because they're going to get their hands on it one way or another but if, if they had some sort of guidance they could you know they could use this in a more responsible more, more predictable manner so it's there's the you know, way i see it is like two different lanes one is like you know absolute healing recovery and regeneration which is still you know in the world of performance right because if you heal quicker you recover quicker you regenerate quicker right. you're able to perform better the next day whether you're an athlete or not right that's just like you wake up feeling fresher you're more focused and you're less distracted right you're less pain less anxiety all that good stuff but i think there's like this world you know outside of that like really in that real that that that, that path of performance where you got martial artists microdosing thc um, you know, you, you have you know, hockey players microdosing THC for that matter too, right? You kind of find that flow state, same conversation around like psilocybin microdosing is like, it's not enough to induce classic, say psychedelic effects or classic, um, you know, cannabis, uh, you know, impairing, Fantastic. if you will. But it, but it, but it, but it, it calms the nervous system enough to help you find that present moment where flow state lies, right? And then that, that element helps performance in the moment uh, and in the future, right? It, it just it, it just the way it is. But I think there's two different lanes here. But it's all about education and how you dose appropriately, right? right? And I think most people overconsume cannabis, you know, whether they know it or not, or they think they are or not, and you know, it's, it always goes back to intention. Like, what are you trying to accomplish here? And then yeah, how are you yeah, going about it? And, you know, that, but, uh, you know, I'm going on a little bit of a tangent, but that's to answer your question. 
that that's where it needs to go is like it's it's league down type of education it's team down education strength and conditioning it's, you know team down education this needs to be brought in internally not just like okay well these products are available let the players go on their own and figure this out like this is where right. yes it's certainly better than the, the the old school model of like you know traditional pharmaceuticals being prescribed and then you know dealing with that whole dark cloud where now it's like you got the all you know, open up this can of worms pandora's box of all these products and then like oh go figure it out yourself uh, i guess the beauty of it is that like you're gonna wake up the next morning whether you you eat 200 milligrams of thc or, or five like the beauty of it is you're gonna wake up you know what you might have a little bit of a weed hangover 200 milligrams but hopefully you'll learn from that and you titrate back you know but like right. we can skip a lot of this because i went through this for years and years and years misusing cannabis you know uh unhealthy relationship with it to all of a sudden like reeling it all in and, I, and understanding that what i had done is almost like some sort of like lab experiment you know where it was, it's like holy shit like we can use these these products way more mindfully way more respectfully and we can teach people how to use these i have these conversations with 75 year old uh you know women at my yoga studio too like where it's like they just they just think of you know using cannabis as a mean belly up on your couch like teaching trump it's like okay, well, that can serve its purpose if if you decide to go down that path, but it doesn't right. need to be like that. You know, my opinion is like like using cannabis and being productive, and also you know mitigating pain and, and anxiety and stress along the way is 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 the goal. You don't want to just like be belly up and oh yeah, I'm mitigating all the pain, stress, and anxiety because I can't do anything because I can't be productive because I've overconsumed cannabis now. So that's. You know, whether you're working nine to five or an athlete, there's there's world of performance and it's precision dosing, in my opinion, it comes with education. Yeah, it, you know, we're just hearing the same narrative. I mean, and, and it's just it gets me more and more mad every way. Education, 100 percent, Riley. And that's that's what we do. And that's what Pure Well is about. And, you know, custom formulations and using the cannabis the right way, along with other molecules to put on a specific disease state. But more importantly, what you're saying is kind of what every athlete's saying. They're turning a blind eye to it. They know that it's here to help. They know that they're supposed to be doing something, but it's all smoke no and mirrors. No direction. All the no athletes care. are saying, please, like we're using this because it's helping us. Please educate us, get us off opiates, get us off of this, get us off of that. I'm asking for something that'll help my body down the line not just for now, but for my future, right? Because you're not always going to be in the league and you actually have a life after the league, which no one ever thinks about because when the lights are on, they're like, how's he going to perform today? Let's just shoot him up with something and, and, get and, and, and get out there. Right. So, I mean, it's just so important. And I know, you know, I was saying when, when you were working on, cause I, I was looking at some of your things that you do um, with the hemp heels foundation and you basically promote cannabis as a, via, a viable renewable source so people can live a better quality life. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing with that and trying to educate. Because, you know, obviously we're doing this show. We're trying to get the word out there. But we feel it's always falling on deaf ears. You have a little bit more of a platform. So what are you doing with, uh, with your time? And, and, uh, and tell me a little bit more about this Hemp Yields Foundation. Sure. Well, since COVID hit, um, it kind of, it's, it, it, Hemp Yields has kind of been idle. But, uh, you know, when I retired in 2010, I started a nonprofit called Hemp Heels Foundation, and it was really a music festival in Philly. Um, we had a relationship with the general manager of Live Nation, so we put on you know these music festivals called Hemp Heels Music Festival, and it was really around showing 
the different phases of cannabis, really all the industrial applications, all the stuff we talked about earlier, you know, the textiles and, you know, and, and the soaps and, you know, the, the food and all this good stuff, paper, and just, just kind of just showing the public a, a different perspective of what they think cannabis is. You know, that went on. We, you know, we had all, you know, the, the white boy reggae band, Stephen Marley, Sublime with Rome, Cypress Hill. You know, we, you know, Revolution, Slightly Stupid, all those kind of bands. So it was already that reggae feel, five, 6,000 people. So smaller type oh, yeah. of festivals, smaller shows. Nice. Nonetheless, you know, Philly. Sounds fun now. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely fun and it served its purpose, you know. I mean, uh, again, it's like you said, falling on deaf ears. You know, I think it's like when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. It's like all you can really do is plant seeds, right? I mean, you're not going to preach and change people's mind overnight. Like, the if they're not ready for it, again, it just goes over their head. But, you know, we just, you know, stayed persistent and, and, and consistent with the message. And then, you know, COVID hit. But even like leading up to COVID, my efforts kind of transitioned into which, you know, you know, the, the nonprofit Athletes for Care was really more using my sports platform to, you know, try and legitimize some of these things. I was realizing like, you know, it's, just, it's such a broad scope talking about hemp and like, all these different things. It's like, maybe you like reel it in and be a little more focused on what the narrative is. And I think that you started you know, using my time a little bit more appropriate, say appropriately, but a little more specific in, in the sense of using, again, the sports platform and trying to stigmatize cannabis and, and again, help guys transition out of the game. Yeah, I just know I was noticing there's a huge problem with guys Again, having a relationship with alcohol, pharmaceutical drugs, and retiring, and then trying to use these to navigate um, their their transition, which is extremely difficult to begin with, right? I mean, you're talking about an identity crisis now because now there's a spiritual component to transition because your whole identity, your whole ego, had been invested in the sport you've played. Um, so cannabis was, you know, a good conduit to helping guys heal. So. That's kind of how the Athletes for Care kind of came around. It was originally all my efforts were in hemp heels. I really didn't know what I was doing, just was standing for something a lot larger than myself. And then, you know, then COVID hit. And obviously, right, festival. at least you're doing something. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, right. As I started speaking publicly around cannabis as a hockey player, naturally running into football <laughs> players and UFC fighters and, you know, guys with similar stories. It was pain management, anxiety management, stress management concussion related issues and that was really the, the the groundwork of athletes for care it was like five athletes coming together and saying okay well let's actually make this a thing and formalize it to answer your other question it's like yeah 100 percent. like once you start putting yourself out there it's some bit of a thought leader or maybe just enough balls to actually stand up and and be public about it then all of a sudden it, it could be guy it, maybe that could be like the catalyst to just making a guy be like holy shit you know I'm kind of thinking this along these lines, but this guy's actually doing it. Or this guy's actually saying it, and he's actually got a, a collective group of people that are actually talking about it. So this. Must must be a thing. This is not just like me thinking that this is medicine or you know whatever. Because there's a lot of like you know um, uh, closet cannabis users where they're just like they're they're just lacking the confidence to to even like not even just like publicly come out and talk about it, but even at work, it's just like they keep it tight to the chest because and I understand why. Because it's been a Schedule One drug for 90 years, and it's been demonized, and they're they're they're, they're worried about the the social impact or the, the the stigma that would come along with it. So yes, um, I, I get hit up all the time. I think yeah. that more athletes that do this step up and say, "Look, right. I mean, we know there's a stigma, 
but this is helping so many of my friends, my coworkers, my, but myself, you need to look into this, but you need to know what you're taking. All right. I mean, you can't be just popping edibles. Like you're saying, well, actually, um, I think that stigma is going to end up changing. And it's going to show that these people really don't care because you've got more and more athletes coming out saying, Hey, we need help either physically or mentally. And that, that silent majority is going to be huge, I think. And that's going to start flipping the thing because eventually, you know, they're going to this. I think there might be a real pushback and say, we're tired of it, man. We're tired of getting shot up and being thrown back out there. Tired of not having any kind of care or concern about my, you know, mental state for what's going to come either today, tomorrow or after, you know, the lights are off. So, And, and you're talking about the same thing, the almighty dollar, right? They're trying to still push pharmaceuticals. They're trying, trying to push all these other agendas on these athletes, as well as the the public, let's be real, but come on. I mean, like you said, you know, start small, know what you are because what you might work for you, Riley is not going to work for the average person. And not because you're an athlete and they're, you know, a normal person, it could be big, small, you know, age, gender. It doesn't matter. It has to do with your endocannabinoid system. It depends how it works in your body and your tolerance and the um, results you're really trying to achieve. And the results you're trying to achieve. I mean, you said something specifically about microdosing. I mean, that's normally heard in psilocybin and, and mushrooms and things like that, but it's absolutely something in, in cannabis as well. The doctors know, and, and they're not doing anything you know? about it. And these guys are having to take it upon themselves to go out, try to forward the narrative out there, and it's falling on deaf ears, but, it, but not. Because we are making headway, right? We can't just say all negatives because the truth is, is that where we were five years ago or, you know, when you retired to where we are now, come on, we're completely different. Um, we, we really are. I mean, it's I, not enough. It's not enough. But and I, are, it's, it's making headway, but just not enough. Right. And, and, I, and I do know that it's making more of a push to marijuana, whereas there's a look, there's a lot of benefits to the hemp side. There's a lot of medicinal benefits that you don't even have to get high. Right. Yeah. I mean, you just you just want to have you know pain relief. And well, like Riley like said, everybody needs to have a manual. And now with Riley out there, he's everybody's manual. Right. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> right. Exactly. You getting out there regularly, just you know, throw one down, just to you know, make a point. I mean, it's got. I mean, I love playing hockey myself. I just you know, amateur and you know, uh, street hockey and stuff like that. But I I love just getting out there and get that feeling. So did you still still you know have a little bit of a I don't know, an itch to, you know, get out there once in a while and just kind of throw down. Yeah. I mean, you throw the snakes on and you still go out a little bit. I mean, not, not to hurt. Someone, yeah. Not to, know. not to fight. Just, just to, to kind of get play. out there again. Just and, go out and play. Yeah, I do. I, 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 I love hockey. I will always ho love hockey. I play, uh, you know, pick up in the adult league whenever I can. Um, definitely not into fighting anymore. I'm, 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 I'm over <laughs> no, that. Of course so not. I, go, I go and I try and be a hockey player and, you know, almost kind of re reliving my childhood of playing back on the pond when, the game was fun. It was, you know, creative, you know, whether I understood that element or not at the time, but, you know, hockey is a creative sport, read and react. So you get out there and you actually get to play hockey. You get to have some fun. You get to find a flow state. Again, microdosing cannabis, microdosing psilocybin. You know, it's a different <laughs> experience, right? Right. Um, see that and, puck a lot better. See that puck a lot better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Things slow down a little bit. You're able to kind of visualize a little bit more. Um, and, um, yeah, and I have a lot of fun with it, but as far as like the fighting and throwing down, it served its purpose for me, for, uh, you know, to, for me to live out my childhood dream and, and, and play in the NHL. Cause that was my dream growing up in Canada was to play in the NHL. Never That's thought I'd have to get my hands dirty and fight, you know, 30, 35 times a year to get there. But 
you know, it's just the, 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 the nature of the beast and how things work sometimes. Um, but, you know, I was, uh, I was destined to find my way and just did it the old fashioned way. And then that served this purpose, right? You know, between the pain, the anxiety, the substance abuse and the TBI stuff, you know, pushed me along this path of plant medicine and, and mindfulness. Um, so I'm grateful for all of it and how it's all um, laid out. Uh, however, I would love to help people um, avoid some uh, unnecessary suffering, suffering along the way and avoid some unnecessary addiction and substance abuse. Um, awesome. and that's, you know, I feel like that's my, you know, my, my role now is to try and be a conduit for change, drug diversion, harm reduction, and just help people, I guess, navigate sport, um, life a little bit more skillfully with, you know, with the, with the, with the information that's available now, right? There's, there's a lot more information available and all, around all this stuff. You know, we live in an age of information, right? It's, it's probably almost confusing the amount of information that's out there and, you know, polar opposite viewpoints on most stuff. But um, there's enough information out there now where we can help, uh, help you know, change the, the course of, of humanity, if you will, right? Through, through, through education, all the stuff you're talking about, right? It's mindful. It's, it's, uh, it's deliberate. It's precise. It's, you know, it's, it's all these things back, you know, versus back in the day. It was just kind of like, Use cannabis and like, and, and just kind of figure out the experience, right? And I think there's so much, you know, precision and and predictable um, dosing now that we can we can create that experience or help you know help people create that experience. So they don't have to go through the hardships of trial and error and ten years of cannabis use before they figure out that sweet spot. Maybe we can reel that back and do like a month or two. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, you save a lot of people's lives, honestly. For sure, for sure. I mean, that's the case. Saving a lot of people's lives. I mean, so he said it right out of his mouth because that's the truth. And it's it's just amazing that we have this platform to be able to speak to people and let them know the, the importance. But you're hearing it from somebody that that has first long oh. experience of something we'll never be able to do. Listen, I love to be an NHL uh, professional hockey player. I mean, come on, how you got there, fighting or not, the point is, is of course, it got your narrative. But I was going to say, just playing. I mean, seeing the game differently, even though now you're retired, do you think that if there wasn't so much pressure that the players would see it differently? You play in a team sport, you know, in a team dynamic, and you move up the ranks, like there's more structure that's built through the coaching staff, right? It's like you have to have some sort of system, like five-man system, like where you guys know somewhat what's going to happen or some sort of predictable system. Um, and that being said, that's more on the defensive side of thing, pressuring the puck and trying to get the puck back. And then there's times and places where you do uh, tap into that element of creativity. You're generally in the offensive zone, you know, from, I, I did coach the Flyers minor league team for seven years. So I, you know, I had that experience in coaching too, not just playing. We're now, you know, the green light to be creative, ultra creative, like try and make plays, try and use your creative faculties to attack the net and score goals. But then, you know, there's a time and a place to not do that, you know, in, in the defensive zone, for example, right? It's like you get the puck in, in a pressured situation. That Now is not the time to try and dangle a guy and be creative. It's like you get the puck out, live the fight another day, and get on the board check, you know, breathe and get the, you know what I mean? So that's like part of the structure of coaching where it's like we have to have some sort of um, boundaries of when and when not to you know, tap into those creative faculties. You know, it's, it's long gone to the days, you know, uh, once you become a pro of the pond hockey game where it's like, there's no coach right. breathing on your throat. There's no pressure. 
You're not going to lose your paycheck if you fuck up. You know, it's not, all that stuff doesn't matter. So it's just like for the love of the game, the love of, you know, creative sport, you know, it obviously changes when you get into the business of something because there's money and there's pressure and, you know, there's jobs at risk and all this other stuff. Um, so you have to kind of create a, a structured container for that creativity um, and boundaries, right? Because if, you know, player A is, 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 is turning the puck over because he's trying to be ultra creative or maybe it's selfish um, at that time. Well, we got to sit him down and we can't have that happen because it's, it's, it's taxing our goaltending and our defense. So there's a fine line of being – got to have some balance in that. you got to have some balance there for sure. But it is a creative sport. I mean, that's, that's – But if it was an exhibition, we're all for the <laughs> psilocybin pucking. That's for sure. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Mandatory <laughs> microdoses before games, for sure. Yeah, I, I like it, man. I, I like it, Riley. I really appreciate the time, man, too. It's been fun. Um, I, You know – I think you're doing a great thing out there, uh, you know, besides being an enforcer that you were on the ice. And now you're kind of enforcing out there in life, man, uh, with the hemp heels or, you know, just really with the advocates for athletes and everything like that. So, well, I mean, it, it's pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, we really want to see you shine just like you did with the spotlight out in the ice, man. So it's, it's pretty awesome. Thanks. We really do appreciate, appreciate it. it. Obviously, as always, you know. Um, Excellent, man. Yeah, any other time you, know, you want to catch us, uh, we are on Cannabis Radio. We are Empire. You can catch us on uh, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, iHeartRadio. Uh, don't forget to give us a like, subscribe, follow us, because that's how you're going to get this narrative out. That's how more people are going to hear. Not what we just have to say, but the likes of people like Riley. We do appreciate your time here at Cannabis Radio, and uh, this is Empire. Thank you for listening. Get educated, everybody. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.